if that's all right. I'm going to start out with Psalms chapter 71, verses 1 through 3. It says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. I want to focus on... Yeah, that's okay. Let's just praise him and thank him for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a rock, our fortress, our habitation today, God. Hallelujah. Lord, let your presence and let your spirit be on this service today, God. Let your word go forth. Let us receive it into our hearts today, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. My title today I want to focus on for a little while is, Where Are You Living? Where are you living? And Brother Kyle has already told me, well, I live at my house. So I understand we all live at our houses. But I'm, I'm thinking more mentally, spiritually, metaphorically, where are you living? I want, just by a show of hands, how many of you enjoy vacations? Okay, mo- most of you, that's what I figured. We, all of us pretty much enjoy going on vacations. There's something about turning off your phone, or not, at least if it's on, not answering texts or emails, going to a place far away, or maybe staying at home and just closing your blinds and not telling anybody that you're at home. Something about getting out of the day-to-day routine that makes us relaxed and happy. Your ideal vacation destination might look something like this. I hear a few amens to that. Or your, my, your ideal vacation or getaway spot might be a deer stand deep in the woods. I heard a few amens there too. Or it might be shopping in a city. Or it might be going to a theme park with your family. It might be going to a beach somewhere like this. But we all have that spot where we enjoy getting away or where we would like to get away. Many of us plan and save for the entire year. We scrimp and we save and we, we plan out, we buy tickets, we, we reserve hotel rooms, we get ready just for those few precious days of vacation. But for many of us, it's that day after the vacation that's not so exciting anymore. The world of, of beaches and, and deep woods or shopping malls has gone away, and you are back to work and laundry and cooking and taking care of your house and whatever it might be, back to the drudgery of everyday life until it's time for vacation again next year. Sometimes our walk with God can be like a vacation. We love coming to church. We feel God's presence. We can feel his spirit in this house. We, we receive the word into our hearts. We, we love to come and worship him and praise him. It feels like an escape from our everyday lives. It feels like we're, we're taking a break for a moment. We're able to relax and breathe and live in his presence. But then that feeling can so quickly fade when it's Monday morning and we're back to work. We're, we're back to pleasing our bosses, buying our groceries, cooking our meals, adding to the to-do list that never seems to to get any shorter, no matter how many things we check off. We're left waiting for the next Sunday or the next Wednesday. 
until we can be in God's presence and feel that joy again. I think this all happens to us at some time or another, no matter how long we've been in church, no matter how, how uh, in tune with God we might be, there are times when that, that feeling that we have in the presence of God is almost just like a vacation from everything else instead of being the norm. And even if we go to conferences or, or we go to revivals or we come to prayer on Friday night or we read our Bibles or we listen to messages on, on a podcast or whatever, it can feel like each of those moments is just an escape from the rest of our lives into his presence. And then right after that, it's just right back into the drudgery, the norm of everyday life. So that's the question I want to ask today is where are you living are you vacationing in his presence or are you living in God's presence? David is a perfect example of somebody who desired to live in God's presence. In Psalm after Psalm, he writes of wanting to dwell in the house of the Lord, of entering into the temple, of, of God being his refuge and his strength. But obviously, David didn't have a perfect life. He, he grew up as a humble shepherd. He was persecuted by Saul after he was anointed to be king. He eventually fell into sin and shame. And then later in his life, he, he struggled with his children who were falling into rebellion and immorality and all of these things. David did not have a perfect life, but the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart because he wanted to live in God's presence. No matter what else was going on around him, he wanted to live in God's presence. And that's where that, that scripture comes in that I read at the beginning. A lot of commentators believe that that scripture in Psalm 71, that psalm was written toward the end of David's life when he was struggling with his children that were rebelling and falling into to immoral things, when he was looking back over all the things that had happened in his life, he said in Psalm 71, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Not in all of these things that have happened to me, not in, in my wealth and my kingdom and my riches and my advisors, but in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. He calls, he, he asks that God would be his strong habitation. That doesn't mean a vacation home, a place where you just go occasionally, a habitation. That's where you live day in and day out, no matter what's going on. That's your dwelling place. It says that I may continually resort there to his, his rock, his fortress. God's presence was not meant to be just a place that we can escape to or go to every once in a while or every Sunday and Wednesday. It was meant to be a place that we could live in, that we could dwell in his presence, that we could dwell close to him every single day of our lives. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Where are you living? Where are you living? Are you trying to make God's presence your home, your refuge, your fortress? Or is God's presence just a vacation from your day-to-day -day life? David starts that scripture that I just read. It says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. 
Wherever you put your trust, that's where you're living. Without realizing it, many of us trust in things of this world, maybe to the point of depending on them. We don't, we don't consciously think that we're going to put our trust in the world or things of this world, but we do without realizing it. We put our trust in our bosses and our companies that they're going to send us a paycheck a certain amount of times a month. We trust the bank that they're going to keep our money safe. We trust our house and all the mechanical and electrical systems in our house that it's going to keep us safe and warm and comfortable. We trust doctors and medical procedures or prescription medicine that it's going to keep us healthy and of a sound body. And we, tr we even trust people, our spouses, our families, our friends, that they're going to uplift us, that they're going to be there for us when we've had a bad day. In and of themselves, trusting in those things, is there's nothing wrong with those. They're, all those things are good things to trust in, that we should trust in. But there's a point where that trust might turn into a dependency on those things. Instead of putting our trust in God, we put our trust in a paycheck every month to make sure that we're sustained and, and, and comfortable. And when we have a problem, we don't look to think, to ask God or depend on God. We look to what can I do to solve this? What can I do to take care of this? How can I work on this? How can I work more hours? How can I go talk to my boss? How, how can I go talk to the doctor? Or what kind of procedures or things are there for this? And again, there's nothing wrong with those things. But if we're putting our trust in those more than we are in, in God, what are we doing? Do we depend too much on modern medicine instead of having faith in the healer? Do we focus too much on getting that next raise or promotion instead of trusting in the provider? Do we seek security and peace of mind in things of this world instead of seeking the, the master? Where are you putting your trust? That's where you're living? Are you building your, your mental and spiritual house in this world? Is that constructed of things of this world, money and friends and people and all the stuff you have around you? Or is that house, is that house built in God's presence, in God's presence? The Bible says that our earthly treasures will be corrupted by moth and dust in the end. They will all fade away we know it's a cliche, but we don't get to take anything with us. But if we place our trust in God, if we put our treasures in heaven, then we will be able to find trust and peace and love and joy in God's presence for eternity, not just for a certain amount of time. When we're not living in God's presence, when we're placing our trust in other things, when we're making our home in earthly things instead, there are opportunities opportunities for fear and confusion to creep into our lives. If I'm just waiting for a vac my next vacation in God's presence on Sunday, then during the week, I'm worrying about the bills and how they're going to get paid. I'm worried about providing for my family. I'm worried about the news that's coming in from the doctor. I'm worrying about all of these things. If instead I'm having trust in God, then those things sometimes just fade into the distance when we've got God in our eyes. And the enemy tries to use that fear and confusion to his advantage. 
He'll plant seeds of doubt, of regret, of fear, of depression, of anxiety, of whatever it is to try to confuse our minds until it's difficult to even find that escape into God's presence. But the answer is found in God's love. Where else? In 1 John 4 and 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. In that psalm I read earlier, Psalm 71, David said, Let me never be put to confusion. In God's presence, all fear and confusion must leave. That's why when we're entering into the house of God, even if we're just taking a vacation into his presence, when we enter into the house of God, there's been preparation that's gone forth days before today. There's been people in prayer for this service. There, the worship team has gotten here early in, in a prayerful mindset. Brother Jeff has been preparing these songs for days or weeks. And all of that is coming together to be to develop the, uh, an atmosphere where God's presence could be in this place. And so when we come into this house, we have a, a relief from any fear, from confusion, from anxiety, from depression, from addiction, whatever it might be. Hallelujah. We've got that, that release, that fear. But why? Why are we picking those things right back up when we leave those doors? Why are we not living in his presence and taking his presence with us every single day and say, God, I'm going to live in your presence so that in your love, there will be no fear. There will be no confusion. There will be no, no worry, any of those things in his presence, in his presence. I've already talked about putting your trust in him as a key to making a home in that presence. Another key is continual prayer and praise. Just like Sister Angel sang in that song today, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. No matter whether it seems like something that you can even be thankful for, giving thanks to God that, that you are alive, that you have your family, that you have a place to live, all of those things. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. How can we pray without ceasing? That might seem like we need to be in a prayer meeting 24 hours a day. I don't think that means we need to quit our jobs. We don't need to to disregard all of our responsibilities, to just completely spend every waking hour of our lives on kneeling in the, at this altar today. But think about this. How much of our time do we really spend, even when we're doing other things, with our mind on God? My, my grandma tub was a perfect example of this. And, and a few of you in here are fortunate enough to have met my, my grandmother while she was still alive. But I remember, even when I was a young child, five, six, seven years old, I remember visiting her house and she would wake up early, early in the morning before it, get, it got bright outside any time of the year. I'm 3.30 in the morning, four in the morning, she would wake up and I would hear her praying in her room. I would hear the, the Bible on tape just playing as she was working, as she was praying. I, I remember she would be in, in her kitchen and I would be playing in the living room she would be washing dishes, she would be cooking, and she would be saying, oh, Jesus, thank you for what you've given me today. 
Oh, Lord, God, I ask that you would touch sister so-and-so. God, she really needs your presence today. She would be, I, I mean, every single moment of her day, she, her mind was on the Lord. She was praying. She was seeking him. She was worshiping him. She might be saying, Lord, thank you, Jesus, that I have these pots to cook in, Lord. God, thank you, Lord, that I have heat in my home today on this cold day. Thank you, Lord, that I've got my family with me here today, God. That, that mindset of continual thanks and praise and worship to God, that's building a home in His presence. There's no way that fear, that worry, that anxiety can come into your heart or your mind when you're making your home in His presence and saying, I love you, Lord. Psalm, it talks about this in Psalms, Psalms 84. So, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long Yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. That's not, oh, I, I would like to go to church today. I'd like to be in God's presence. No, he says, I faint with longing. I have to be in God's presence today. I have to be in his, in his spirit today. It says, with my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar, O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God. What joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. I wonder what our homes would be like if we were overwhelmed with such an intense desire to be in his presence that we felt this same way. God, Lord, I'm, I'm fainting with longing, wanting to be in your spirit, in your presence. God, Lord, just like the birds singing is worship and praise to you, God. Lord, I want everything that I do, every word that I say to be worship and praise to you. I wonder what our homes would be like if we were in communion with him every single moment of every single day, doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, going to work, driving our cars, whatever it is, if we could be in his presence. So where are you living? Where are you living? Are you living in his presence or are you just vacationing there? Even if you're living in his presence, even if you, you are, are saved, you come to church, you are, are part of our church, it doesn't mean you won't have setbacks and you won't have obstacles. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you won't have the things that happen, to, happen in life that come along. But the Bible says that we will see those obstacles and setbacks differently. If we could all stand, Brother Jeff, you can come. In James 1, 2 through 4, again, this is the, the New Living Translation. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If we're living in his presence, the Bible says that those, the troubles, the obstacles, the challenges that we may face of everyday life, they will just fade into nothing because we have an opportunity for great joy. God will turn those things into an opportunity for joy. And living in his presence, this doesn't have really have a whole lot to do with being saved. I, I believe, I, Pastor Jason could correct me on this, but I, I can be saved. I can be filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, repentant of my sins, living a holy life. 
but still sometimes just fall into that routine of everyday life, into the day-to-day grind of everything that's going. When obstacles and, and struggles come my way, I might try to depend on, on myself or depend on others or, or put my trust in earthly things. But God is calling us today to put our trust in Him. God is calling us today to make our home in His presence, to find our joy, our peace, our comfort in His presence and in His love. He does not want any of His people to be filled with confusion. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. God desires that we would have joy and hope and love every single day of our lives. These altars are open right now. If you would like to come, if you're at that point and you just think,